following program is rated M for mystery, malfeasance, and mobsters, and may contain trace amounts of murder. True stories of history's forgotten detectives from across the 20th century. This is Duotang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater! All aboard the Great Northern Railway, man's first mighty up yours to the natural limit of transport in comfort. This cold November evening finds C.H. Arles and his recently acquired protege Jerome enjoying that very self-same comfort to which I just alluded. Comfortable, sir? Perhaps something from the dining car? No, thank you, Jerome. I've all I need here. A warm seat and good company. <laughs> kind of them to let Ophiacus ride with us. Eventually. You just need to know how to speak with these people. Or shriek, if I may, sir. You'll soon learn, Jerome, that academic success requires all the tools at your disposal. That shriek got me tenure, and its first cousin, the whale, persuaded Cambridge to underwrite this trip for us. And might I stress again the honor I feel at being taken to present my work to Dr. Zarkov at the London Museum of Maths and Boringness? I believe the feeling will be mutual. Zarkov has devoted his apparent immortality to studying the intersection of mathematics and the natural world. Theses like yours are the wind beneath his recursive functions. And how is Jerome Jr.? I'm not chirped since we boarded, sir. Perhaps a chapter on locomotive sickness in crickets. Jerome, have a seat. The pacing is most ungraduate-like. Sorry, sir. Nerves, sir. I say this as your mentor and your friend, Jerome. I detest faith in all its seductive forms. But I have complete faith in you. Thank you, sir. Means the world, sir. Ah, finally! Empty seats away from the first-class fuss-spots who can't deal with a few extra decibels. Oh, good sweet mess of a lord over all that is precise and accurate, please, no. Gracious professor, is that- Jerome, keep down. Say nothing. Well, whoever laid out this trial run of the USA obviously didn't have efficiency in mind, so let's all get comfortable. <coughs> How are the sinuses, Marv? Or is it Sinai? Whichever it is, it's unbearable. <laughs> Should've known. It happens when I travel. Susan, don't catch anything. You're still healthy enough to carry my bags. Yes, ma'am. Anything you say, ma'am. Good. Marv, you're slipping into the number two spot, kiddo. I was your footrest. You were a lumpy footrest. Now, where was I? The Montcliffe case, Professor. Oh, yes. So there I was. But it's her, isn't it? Gloria Sinclair, the famous criminology professor from Harvard. Oh, well, famous. <laughs> it is. There's her performing puss, Snacks the Cat. Just like they said, lithe as a choir boy, black as midnight. Yes, he matches her soul. And an anus you could sail a ship by. Oh, there, there, boy. Now you've a lovely... Well, well, I'd recognize the bouquet of that pitiful wine anywhere. C.H. Arles, the accidental detective. Oh, and Mr. Ophiacus, I didn't see you there. How are you? Still wagging the dog, so to speak? We should all be so lucky. Gosh, Professor, what are the odds? Or would you need an abacus for that? Gloria, may I simply say... Well, don't introduce your friend. That would verge on politeness. Hi, Sonny, I'm Gloria Sinclair, the famous criminology professor from Harvard. I know. Uh, th that is, I'm Jerome Stapleton, PhD candidate in maths and boringness at Cambridge. They've assigned Professor Alls as my mentor. What'd you do, get fresh with the dean's daughter? <laughs> Anyhow, this is Marv and Susan, my graduate students. We're on a field trip to the Tower of London. For what is crime without punishment? Lawlessness. Societal collapse? No fun is what? Good guess, Jerome. Marv, catch up. 
Every year I cross my fingers for an execution, but the timing never works out. But a girl can dream. What about you two? Going somewhere interminable, I'd wager. Jerome happens to be engaged in a groundbreaking thesis on the correlation between frequency of cricket chirping and ambient temperature. Are those the manners they teach at Harvard? No, I'm just sick. It happens when he travels. Crickets, huh? So that's the little bugger in the glass jar. Jerome Jr., ma'am. Keep the lid tight. Snacks the cat is positively perverted for creepy crawlies. He'll be after you next, C.H. If it's all the same, Gloria, Jerome and I have some serious academic work to return to. Ah, ignore him, kids. He's just madly in love with me. And don't worry, Jerome. Snacks the cat will probably just sleep the ride away in the luggage racks as usual. Snacks the cat, you're the people's champion. Now, where was I? The Montcliffe case, Professor. Of course! So there I was, the defendant about to go scot-free, innocent as a spring lamb, when it hit me. The Argentinian haberdasher was her mysterious benefactor because the boy was his illegitimate son. That very evening, she found the noose is made of sterner stuff than wedding vows. Huzzah! Ha! How about it, C.H.? Fresh stories from the field? Something to inspire my students here? Oh, well, since you ask, there was a certain incident in Surrey. Heard it! Oh, uh, all right. Well, the Vice-Chancellor... Heard it! We're students and famous professors of criminology from Harvard, C.H. We do, in fact, keep up. Ah, yes. Something contemporary, then. Oh, uh, last week I... You'll laugh. I was solving for X for several hours before I remembered that. I was meant to be... To solve for... Why? Yes, thank you, Jerome Jr. We've got your opinion. I thought it was a fine story, sir. Particularly like the part about... Why? You see, students, there's C.H.'s problem. He wants to reduce everything to variables and equations so as not to plunge his manicured fingers into the icky sludge of humanity. That's why he'll never be a famous criminology professor from Harvard and you'll do well to learn from his mistakes. Gloria, I don't actually share your macabre desire to seek out untimely death. You've just caught me in a string of coincidences I very much wish I could be rid of. (coughs) Oh, you might try chewing poppy stem before your next trip, sir. Passed down from my gran never failed me. Well, ducky for you, chapo. Another point for Jerome. Marv, you're slipping to number three, pal. Well, I suppose we'd best settle in. Three hours to London. Psst, Professor Arles. Yes? Susan, was it? You keep the hell away from Professor Sinclair. You needn't prompt me, Susan. I don't care what sick fancies you've got. She's not yours, and she never will be. Yours either, Jerome. Noted, ma'am. Well, golly, kids, another one of England's endless tunnels. Let's celebrate by dying a little inside. (laughs) That's true, Snacks the Cat. Tunnels are the only time you can pretend it's not raining for five goddamn seconds. Good gracious. Crumbs. Why do you suppose we're stopping, Professor? I'm not sure, Jerome. The engine's still running. Maybe the Queen Mother was on board and she wouldn't fit. Don't sink to her level, Arles. Don't sink to her level. Uh, Maybe there was a cow? I just said that. George Washington's hair was silly! First the train and now the lights. I can't see a bloody thing. Let me come sit next to you, Professor Sinclair. Sure thing, Susan. Marv, why don't you and your germs stay back a couple of rows? Snacks the cat, you stay on the luggage rack. Could I perhaps just pace a little, Professor? It does help calm me down. If you must, Jerome. Ladies and gentlemen, please refrain from unduly expressing your perturbedness. A slight engine malfunction has temporarily suspended locomotion and electricity.
The issue shall be resolved momentarily, but until such time, please remain seated. You hear that, Jerome? If I find one of your students has infected my dog... You know, I was on a train in a tunnel in America recently. Yes, well, what happened? Not a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Will someone shut that cricket up? Jerome, please, for everyone's peace, do something about Jerome Jr. Jerome, I don't think this is normal behavior. If you don't do something, I will! Susan, stay put. My God, you get so worked up. I've got to crunch that stupid bug under my boot heel. There, you nutbar. We're moving again. You can calm down. Jerome? Jerome? Where on earth has he gone? Relax, C.H. He's there at the back of the car. I don't see him. On the floor. Hmm. Dead, I think. What? No. No! Jerome, how? Well, he was your protege. I'm going to guess boredom. Too soon? Duotang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater will be back after this. <laughs> oh, oh uh, hello. Uh, at the London Museum of Maths and, and Boringness, we, uh, what, what do we, oh, now, uh, yes, yes, uh, now let me, let me just find my, my place. My, my goodness, could we, uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's just here. It's just here. Yes, now let's numbers. Yes, yes, there, there are all sorts. I've, I've found. Uh, uh, yes, all, all sorts. One is a, uh, is a number. A, a, num- a number you might be, uh, uh, be familiar with. Yes. Uh, for instance, if I've uh, one apple, then I, uh, well, well, th- there it is. In fact, uh, there you have it. I've, I've just said it. I, I haven't. I? I've, I've gone. I've in fact gone and, and just said it there. The London Museum of Maths and Boringness. We inspire the mind and ignite the, the senses, or do we? Oh, well, that's all rather grand, isn't it? And now, back to the show. During a temporary power outage on a train to London, Professor C.H. Arles' prize student Jerome has been struck dead. Oh, Jerome, please say it isn't so. You had such promise. Ten minutes ago this was touching, but it's getting creepy. Oh, hey, Gloria, for pity's sake, can't you just leave me with my grief? <sighs> Well, as usual, C.H. and O.V.C. problems while I see opportunities. Listen up, students. You just stumbled onto some extra credit, you lucky devils. Seems to me someone on this car is a murderer. Either of you care to point a finger for, say, a full-letter grade bump? Take your time. Remember your lessons. This one's for you, too, C.H. I'll buy you a bottle of that Bordeaux you inexplicably love. Jerome. My dear Jerome. Nope, he was the victim. Try to keep it straight. Well, it can't have been me, Professor. I was sitting next to you. We each would have felt if the other got up. Well, assuming we weren't in cahoots and or assuming the murderer needed physical contact with the victim, Susan. Dang. Well, it can't have been me, Professor. I'm too weak from my traveling sickness. Assuming you haven't been playing up your weakness as a smokescreen and or assuming the murderer needed to overpower the victim, Marv. Double dang. Dead end on that front. Find a new avenue of investigation. Examine the corpse? Excellent, Susan. Away! Away, vultures! So what can we deduce while staying out of range of Ophie's maw and CH's ineffectual flailing? No outward signs of injury. Very good, Susan. I learned it all from you, Professor Sinclair. No shit, Susan. Marv? Uh, you was the only one of us standing up? Not as diagnostically intriguing, but still relevant. Now, turn your attention outward. Susan, surroundings, Marv, motive. A narrow car on a steam-powered locomotive, near the front of the train. 
Nothing apparent he could have caught on or been strangled by. No one heard the door open. It only took a couple of minutes. Susan, you outdo yourself. Marv? None of us had met Jerome before today, and you're the only one who knew C.H. personally. Et tu, Marv? I'm just saying, you and C.H. are the only ones with any history. Susan, would you agree? It does stand to reason that we should scrutinize those with a past relationship to the deceased. Well, kids, as usual, I'm afraid I'm going to have to teach you a lesson. As should come as no surprise, I know who the murderer is, and further, I know him to be one of you, too. The devil, you say? Careful, Susan, you're going native. Yes, in your eagerness to follow procedure, whether to stick to your schooling or save your own skin, you've ignored the obvious, that all outward signs point to- Stop! No. No, not this time, Gloria. You don't get to win this time! I'll not bear witness to the destruction of another innocent life. Your own students! Well, if you won't rise to defend them, I shall. No one on this train murdered poor Jerome. Yes! You heard me. Surprised? Shocked, are you? No one even knows what in the hell you're on about. Here is what I'm on about, Miss Sinclair. Jerome met his end in a tunnel. And as we'd heard, the engine never stopped running, though they referred to an engine problem. In steam engines, this commonly means an issue with pressure control, requiring careful venting. I would posit that once in the tunnel, a build-up of smoke began from the coal fire, which, in the enclosed space, would have filled the car. I didn't smell anything. Because he was sitting... Hot air rises, and the only one at the lethal height was poor Jerome. He could have inhaled the smoke and asphyxiated on it while we waited. And while our noses couldn't detect it, Ophiacus's heightened senses certainly did, causing him to sneeze in the tunnel. Good boy, Ophiacus. Good doggy sniffles. Wouldn't they have warned us about smoke? Sadly, I believe we were warned by Jerome Jr., The increasing rapidity of his chirps pointed to a temperature rise where he was stored on the luggage rack. Oh, Jerome Jr., what a happier state the world might be in. Would we all sometimes listen to the crickets? Well, thanks for the tall tale, C.H. Now... And you, Gloria, you repellent specimen. You were ready to march your own students to the gallows on... What? Some dime-store thriller about murder in the dark... Would that have made a nice headline for you, Gloria? Criminology professor outwits own student in deadly game? Well, fortunately for Marv and Susan, when I'm around, only the guilty need fear. Marv, how about it? Do you fear? No. Because he's... Guilty as a redheaded sweet on Labor Day. Adorable story, C.H. One or two holes, I just got a poke. One, the lights weren't off nearly long enough to asphyxiate on smoke. Two, if he had, and we hadn't, he wouldn't have died, had have lost consciousness and dropped below the smoke line where he could breathe normally again. Nasty, but not life-threatening. He could have whacked his head on the way down, I suppose, but there was no sign of injury, and we'd have heard one like that. Brings me to my next point. We'd certainly have heard a healthy young man like Jerome's body collapse to the ground, and if we didn't, that means he was eased down. But, no, one moment, I I can... Eased down by who? Or, as you backwards Brits say, whom? Susan was beside me. Marv had access. How did he do it? Sure, Jerome couldn't have taken an asphyxiation without voicing his concerns. Hmm, any guesses, C.H.? I don't... Nope, that handkerchief he's been using all trip to blow his nose. Boy, Marv, that's adding insult to injury, huh? Let me see that thing. Soaked through, like it was used to stuff down someone's throat before they were gently set on the floor. And let's not forget about Snacks the cat. (coughs) He's been sleeping on the luggage rack the whole time, so if there was life-threatening smoke up there... He'd be through all nine of his lives by now. 
but he's as spry and crowd-pleasing as ever. Aren't you, Snacks the Cat? Hooray, Hooray for, for Snacks, Snacks the, the cat. cat! But... but why? Why, Marv? He was an innocent, brilliant boy! And here's where we lose, you C.H. See, you're so fixated on reducing everything to an equation that you miss the beautiful spectrum of human cruelty. My students are cutthroat. That's how I like them. Playing second fiddle to Susan would have made Marv mad. Second fiddle to Jerome was too much. Think about it. It's win-win. If he got away with it, he'll know he's outsmarted me. And now we've caught him, I finally get my execution on a field trip. Marv, that right there bumps you back to number one. Yes. Dang. Sorry, C.H., Looks like this one goes to me as well. And I think if I've got the routine right... Ah, yes, indeed, madam. That was the correct time to slide the door open. And I do thank your observance of our customs while here on holiday. Any chance of leniency, Inspector? He was a nerdy little twit. I'm afraid it's the gallows for you, young sir. But perhaps at the gates of hell you might trouble Lord Satan to transfer your credits to whatever infernal university you may be toiling in for eternity. Well, here's hoping. Oh, uh, sorry for your loss, Professor. And I did think your solution was quite a lovely one as well. It just lacked a certain, uh, kapowza, if I may be so bold, sir. Come along, lad. But, the cricket! There, you see, we both heard that cricket in the dark. And while you heard stimulus response, I heard the desperate protestations of a feeling being for its dying master. And who backed the right horse? Quid pro quo! Oh, Jerome. C.H., you need to lighten up. It's no good dwelling on the past, no matter how recent. Join us in the bar car for a celebratory drink. Bring Ophie and Jerome Jr. We'll have a lark. Jerome. Jerome Jr., yes. Yes, of course. He loved that cricket, just as I shall love that cricket. Jerome's memory can live on. Listen to me, Jerome, I swear to you, I shall continue your work. And I shall be sure that Jerome Jr. lived to a ripe old age in comfort and splendor. Uh-oh. No. Gooseberries. I think Snacks the Cat ate Jerome Jr. I hate you, Gloria. I have dreams in which you are on fire. I know, C.H. But we do have fun, don't we? No, we absolutely do not. Catch Me Who Can was written by Joseph Beebe. C.H. Arles, Inspector Plotter, and Marv were played by Leet Stetson. Jerome was played by Joseph Beebe. I thought it was a fine story, sir. That was a little Irish for you there, viewers at home. Ophiuchus, Susan, and Loudspeaker were played by Gray Smith. Hey, I'm that person. Stop crinkling things. I'm acting here. Gloria Sinclair was played by Anne Shepard, with special guest star Leed Stetson as your narrator. Duetang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater is produced by Joseph Beebe and Theater Doubletake. Duetang Chesterfield wants to know, would the world be a better place if we would all just listen to the crickets? No. Duetangmysteries.com. iTunes. God.